to the $100 MBA show because business is never as usual. That's why we deliver daily 10-minute business lessons for the real world. I'm your host, your coach, your teacher, Omar Zenholm. I'm also the co-founder of the $100 MBA, a complete business training and community online. And today's episode is a guest teacher episode. Today's guest teacher is Paul Jarvis best-selling author and entrepreneur, and one of our very first guest teachers on the show. He was on one of our first 100 lessons. Pretty amazing. But he's back here today to teach you a very important lesson on why growth may be the worst thing for your business. When we think of successful businesses or companies, we think of these massive companies that grow to 500 to 1,000 to 10,000 employees. What we don't see is how many of those types of companies don't make it through the long haul. How many of them fail and go out of business after 5 or 10 years? In today's lesson, Paul is going to be sharing with you some research he's done and why staying small might be the best thing for your business to stay alive for as long as possible. And Paul Jarvis is teaching from experience. He runs a highly successful business essentially by himself. Yes, he gets some help from freelancers and some virtual assistants, but essentially he's a company of one. This is going to be a lesson that's going to make you think differently about how you grow your business. So let's get into it. Let's get down to business. Today's episode of The $100 MBA Show is supported by Earth Class Mail. If you run a business, you need a business address, but it doesn't mean you need to open up a business office. You can work from home, and Earth Class Mail can hook you up with a business address and scan all your mail and upload it to your account in the cloud so you can check all your physical mail anytime, anywhere. I love it. I love it. I love it. And we use Earth Class Mail because we love it so much. And Earth Class Mail wants to hook you up with a free month to get started. Just go to earthclassmail.com slash MBA month. Again, it's earthclassmail.com slash MBA month. Use coupon code MBA month. I first discovered Paul Jarvis back in 2013. I stumbled upon his website and I loved his blog and just the overall aesthetics of the site. Then I picked up his book, Everything I Know. It's a fantastic book that I've reviewed here on the show. There's a great manual if you're getting started with business. Now, Paul just authored a new book called Company of One. Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing in Business. The book is quite contrarian, and it discusses why growth isn't essential. More importantly, isn't always a good idea. If you're intrigued, you should be, because Paul's going to deliver a lesson today to back up these claims. And to explain to you, you have options when it comes to the size of your business. It's not big or bust. So I'm going to hand it over to Paul to take over, but I'll be back with my takeaways and to wrap it up. But for now, take it away, Paul. Hey, everybody. I'm Paul Jarvis. Thanks so much for taking a listen to this. Today, I'm going to be talking about why growth may not be the best thing for your company. So let's get down to business. I'm going to start with two studies and then get into a story that I feel perfectly illustrates these studies. So the current business paradigm teaches us that to make a lot of money or to have lasting success we need to scale up our businesses as if larger businesses are less prone to fail or become unprofitable, which I don't think is true. In fact, according to this view, before our imagined businesses are even off the ground, we need to create them with the sole purpose of growth. And 
possible eventual sale for a huge profit if we follow the way startups can work. This paradigm, however, isn't actually rooted in truth, nor does it hold up against critical investigation. So, a study done by the Startup Genome Project, which analyzed more than 3,200 high-growth startups, found that 74%, 74% of those businesses failed, not because of competition or bad business plans, but because they scaled up too quickly. So, growth as a primary focus is not only a bad business strategy, but it can be harmful. In fact, failing, as defined in that study, these startups, these high-growth companies, had massive layoffs, closed shop completely, or were sold off for pennies on the dollar. So putting growth over profit as a strategy, however trendy business advice, was kind of their downfall. So when the Kauffman Foundation and Inc. Magazine did a follow-up study on the list of the 5,000 fastest-growing companies five to eight years later, they found that two-thirds of them had gone out of business, had undergone massive layoffs, or had been sold off below market value, pretty much confirming the findings of that first study, the Startup Genome Project. So these companies weren't able to become self-sustaining because they spent and grew based on where they thought their revenue would hit, or they grew based on venture capital injections of funds, not where revenue was at. So these studies can kind of highlight the fact that growth is not always beneficial, and growth is not always required to create a durable business. One of the best stories I found when doing research for my book, Company of One, was the story of these two Japanese companies that are ridiculously old in terms of how long they've existed. And I apologize in advance because I don't know Japanese, so I'm probably mispronouncing um, the company names. So there's this hotel. It's nestled in the picturesque countryside of Japan's Yamanashi Prefecture, the Nishiyama Onsen Kyunkin. This is the oldest continuously run hotel in the entire world. It's been in existence for about 1300 years, and it's been managed by 52 generations of the same family. So empires have risen and fallen around this onsen Kyunkin. Great wars have ravaged it. Massive economic booms and busts have come and gone. Still, this hotel has endured and remained profitable enough to stay open for business. The hotel's focus here, since the beginning, has been on customer service, not on growth or acquisition or expansion. It stayed small because the top priority has always been making guests comfortable. So how the Onsen Kyunkin has succeeded by not choosing exponential growth is actually a story best told by looking at its peer, the oldest continuously run business in the world. Kongo Gumi, a Buddhist temple construction company. So the founder saw an incredible opportunity way, way, way back when. So Buddhism was catching on quickly, so temples were needed. So for the next 14 centuries, the company was busy building temples. Like their hotel pier that I told you about a minute ago, Kongo Gumi kept a relentless focus on serving customers and being absolute experts at their craft. And that focus enabled the construction company to be resilient enough to endure. So for 1,428 years, Kongo Gumi hummed along as a construction company. 
But then things suddenly changed. They decided to expand and grow because the real estate boom was happening in Japan in the 1980s due to an artificial economic bubble and unconstrained credit growth. So for a while, Congo Gumi reaped the rewards of this fast and exponential growth, but as so often happens, that growth was not sustainable. So by the 1990s, the financial bubble had burst in Japan. Companies that had taken on vast amounts of borrowed money with artificially suppressed interest rates were left with nothing but debt. Debt was like a popular drug. Everyone was doing it, and every business seemed to have access to it. So Congo Gumi ended up with close to $343 million in debt. It ended up having to be sold to a larger company and then was liquidated, bringing its extremely long run of a company to an end. The Temple Construction Company had survived political crises, two atomic detonations, and even a period where the Japanese government tried to eradicate Buddhism from Japan. And remember, they were Buddhist temple builders. But ironically, the only thing that Kongogumi couldn't survive was the cost of rapid growth. Their downfall was putting growth above stability and profit. So, in Japanese, Shinzi, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing, is a word for a long-lasting company. So, interestingly, about 90% of businesses worldwide that are more than 100 years old are Japanese. They all have fewer than 300 employees, and the ones that still exist never grow quickly or without great reason. So, remember that hotel the story started with, the Onsen Kyunkin? By contrast, they have barely grown at all. They're still operating with fewer than 40 rooms and the six hot springs, and they've survived by recognizing that growth is not required for long-term success. So what they do instead is they make every customer feel like they're the one and only customer. And the hotel has been dedicated to this type of service, and it's drawn intergenerational patronage, which can you imagine that for your own business? That's pretty awesome. So the Onsen Kyunkin has survived not in spite of being small, but because of it. They didn't expand into a hotel chain, they didn't turn their interest to real estate or investing, or fall victims to the whims of market booms. They've never taken on investors, they've never gone public. So to put this all in perspective, uh, Richard Foster, who's a lecturer at the Yale School of Management, found that the average lifespan of a business on the S&P 500 is only 15 years total. The Onsen Kyunkin, on the other hand, has been in business and operating for 1,300 years. So I truly think that business success does not lie in growing a company quickly and massively, but rather in building something that's both remarkable and resilient over the long term. This isn't to say that success will only happen after, say, your first millennia has passed, but that success is about finding a way to sustain a business as long as it needs to be sustained. As I found time and time again through research and writing company of one, nothing is too big to fail. With bigger scale comes bigger dangers, bigger risks, and much more work to become and remain profitable. Instead, I think that we can focus on building something that, in effect, is too small to fail. So we can adapt a small company to ride out recessions, adjust to changing customer motivations, and ignore competition just by being smaller, more focused, and in need of much less to turn a profit. So success, then, ought not to be measured 
by quarterly profit increases or ever-growing customer acquisition, or even by your ability to create an exit strategy and leave with more than you entered with. Instead, as Natasha Lampard of the popular internet conference WebStock says, we should maybe focus on our exist strategy. So sticking around, profiting, serving our customers as best we can. And then our success can be measured by being profitable quickly as we stay small and build real relationships with our customers. Not because we're all altruistic hippies sitting around singing kumbaya, but because this strategy actually pays off. So long-term loyal customers, in this case, will hang around for generations, continuing to financially support our business. So a better problem to solve here, one that requires real ingenuity, is how to avoid dealing with everything that comes up in our business simply by adding more to the mix. Solving problems by simply adding more is like putting a band-aid on a cut. Yes, it may stop the bleeding, but covering it up doesn't help you deal with the fact that the cut happened in the first place. To simply add more is basically an effort to fix an existing problem without looking at the cause. And this is what I think growth is for business. So friend, let's sum this up. So first, not all growth is good. So growth doesn't have to be the byproduct of business success. Instead, what can we do to ensure our business continues to exist? So to challenge growth, I think we can ask ourselves a few questions. So first, why do we want more? No, really, why do we want more? Is it just because our ego says that's a good thing? So how much is enough? How will we know when we've reached enough? And what will change in our business when we do reach that enough? How does being bigger or more or growing server help our existing customers? Because remember, they're the ones who are paying us right now. And then finally, the final question we can ask ourselves is how does growth affect our responsibilities and how we want to spend our days? Because growth can sometimes mean growing out of the job we actually like to do and into a job of managing other people who are doing the job that we actually really like to do. All right, folks, you've been listening to me. I'm Paul Jarvis. And if you want to continue learning about challenging growth or staying small in business as an end goal, you can visit ofone.co to find out more about my book, Company of One, Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing in Business. Thanks for joining me today. Back to Omar. Support for today's show comes from Abby Connect. Whatever your business does or offers, having a real human being to talk to when I call your company is a huge differentiator. This is why I'm so excited to share with you Abby Connect, the highest rated live receptionist service for small businesses. Why am I so excited? Because I am using Abby Connect. And when I first tested them out, I wanted to see how friendly, how professional are these receptionists? What are they capable of? So I did a test call and wow, it's true what they say, first impressions are important. And boy, did they make an impression on me. There's nothing worse than calling a company and having somebody on their line sound too busy or too bored or too annoyed to take the call. With Abby Connect, they were friendly, they were professional, and they were quick. What's great about Abby Connect is that when you get started, your receptionist can be trained to do what you want them to do, whether it's take down a note, take a message from the caller, or give the caller some instructions so they can help themselves. So when your customer calls your company number, even if it's a number that's just on their receipt via email, the perception the customer has about your company is professional. This is a great way for a small business to stand out from the crowd. 
But don't just take my word for it. Happy Connect has hundreds of great reviews from happy small business owners. Google it, or better yet, try it out for yourself. Here are the difference that Abby Connect can make for your business. Get a no-obligation free trial with Abby Connect. Plus, after your initial trial, you'll get $95 off your first bill when you go to abbyconnect.com slash MBA. This great offer is only available at abbyconnect.com slash MBA or calling 833-ABBY-WOW and mention this podcast so you can get this deal. Again, call 833-ABBY-WOW and mention our podcast or go to Abby Connect. That's abbyconnect.com slash MBA. What a powerful lesson by Paul Jarvis, bringing home the facts, bringing home the research, and bringing home the idea that you don't need to be this huge, huge business to be successful. What's success anyway? What's success in your book? You have to define that. For most of us, success is to live a comfortable lifestyle doing what we love, running our business. And you don't have to be huge to do that. You can be profitable, be very niche, and serve a very specific audience, and not have the headaches and the risk that he mentions of having a huge company. Most of us don't take the time to actually write down what are all the things we want in life? What kind of money do we need to make to have these things? whether it's to travel, whether it's to buy a house or some security or some retirement. You might be surprised the number is not as high as you think. And plenty of small businesses can make that money by staying small. If you're interested in this topic, if this really piqued your interest, check out Paul Jarvis's new book, Company of One. All you got to do is go to ofone.co. What an amazing uh, domain name there. Ofone.co. I highly recommend it. I really love Paul Jarvis's writing. His books are easy reads, down to earth, and very practical. Thanks, Paul, for the great, great lesson. That's it for me, guys. Make sure you hit subscribe on whatever you listen to to listen to this podcast, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Overcast. By hitting subscribe, you get all our episodes automatically so you don't miss a beat. Also, if you have two minutes, just leave us an iTunes rating and review so we can hear what you think of the show. It helps us improve and give you what you want and keep doing the things you love. Before I go, I want to leave you with this. Many people start these huge startups, these huge businesses, get funding, and they crash and burn, and they burn out. And the next business they run is a small business. They realize, hey, maybe having a huge business with hundreds or thousands of employees is great for my ego, but maybe it's not good for my health or my lifestyle. And actually, for many, it's not good for their wallet either. I always say when it comes to business, check your ego at the door so you can make sure you're making the right decisions. Make sure you're not being led by factors that really have nothing to do with you being happy. It just has to do with you maybe feeling significant or important in the world. And that stuff fades. What you got to deal with every day is running your business and living the life that you built. So thanks for that amazing reminder, Paul. And thank you for listening to the show. I'll check you in tomorrow's episode. I'll see you then. Take care.